Welcome to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. Join us as we review our favorite RPGs, collectible card games, MMOs, video games, PC games, and bring up interesting topics and things that we'd like to share with everyone. Sit back and enjoy the show. This is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, assigned to Ragnarok's story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. I know it's the custom here at conventions and everywhere, especially classrooms, to hide in the back of the room and not fill up the front seats. First of all, I have, I have something I have to warn you about. There is no hiding. I'm nearsighted, but I see everything. And I will find you. So um, I'm actually going to encourage you to come forward and fill in the, the gaps, because we're going to talk a bit about improv and building your character in this next panel, but we're also going to have some improv games. Yeah, Dean Castiel, you're not too cool for school. <laughs> no, I like you, but you're not too cool. Get up here. Join, join the fun. Well played, sir. <laughs> All right. So who here has any theatrical background whatsoever? All right, has anyone done any improv before? All right, a couple of hands, good. Um, who here does cosplay? Good, or you just like to dress up in your own character. And some people are like, that's not really cosplay. I'll be truthful, I don't bloody care how you divide it up. I'm not that persnickety. So, who likes to be in pictures? Yeah, sort sort of. Who would like to like to be in pictures, right? Who who would like to go home at the end of the con weekend it, after you've worn your fabulous costume and you've been in front of thousands of people and you see your picture and you're like, yeah, I look amazing. Wow, I nailed it. I knocked it down. Who would like that experience? Yeah, like all of you. Good, good answer. So. The goal here is, if you're doing a character, to help you have some more skills to fill out your character and to go through a whole con day being able to interact with people no matter what they throw at you and roll with it comfortably. Um, If you are not doing a character in that sense, but you're doing a cosplay or you're dressing in a way that you are very proud of what you're wearing, you should be, whether you think you are or not. I'm telling you right now, this is one of my shoulds. You should embrace your art and be excited about it because it's awesome. You spent time on it, it's lovely. Um, you're going to have pictures taken of you, right? People are going to come up and be like, you're awesome, I love you, you're doing She-Ra from 1985, wow! 
That was me yesterday, poor woman. Yeah, I know, I accosted her from across the room, <laughs> made her take a picture. Um, I asked, I didn't make her. I'm only so much of a tyrant, all right. Anyway, but people are going to take your picture. Now, here's the thing. When you were little, you were a child, and your family or your mum and dad or your teacher or whoever was like, it's time to take a picture. They were like, be still. Hands at your side, stare dead and lifeless at the camera. Now pretend to be happy and smile. All right, that's the picture. Now, I have a lot of pictures like that from when I was little. And um, I see that training for taking a picture and being really still and having your hands at your side and you're very still, not you specifically, but people in general, very still. It's like this. I see these pictures a lot on the corn floor. And certainly, you're not like doing this, which is maybe not a picture you're going for. This is my favorite. This happens to me all the time. That's the picture people give me all the time. And I'm like in the middle of a word. Someone's caught me speaking. I have this terrible face. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like oh, that's really attractive. Thank you. Um, so the same thing to do is to be like this, right? All right, that's your safe pose. But you're a human with a story, or you're a Pegasus from Mars with a story. Whatever your character is that you're doing, whatever your costume is, whatever your background, it has life, it has a story, it has physicality. Like Dean, Dean, I'm going to pick on you because I really like you. And I have this Zen meditation to, you know, to show supernatural. I really don't understand. I can't meditate except for supernatural. Um, so, but Dean is not this guy. Dean is this guy. Sometimes he's this guy. Sometimes he's like this guy staring at Sam. <laughs> right? But he's never this guy. So, how do you find that on the con floor? How do you do that moving through your day? Improv, right? So often you'll see on a show, like, whose line is it anyway? Because it's not on. Um, or some improv show, like if you live here in Tucson, there's the Unscrewed Theater that does improv almost weekly on Friday nights. It's really funny. And so they're, they're speaking too, and they're coming up with words, and they're rolling with a topic, and they're doing vignettes. And that's part of improv, and you can do that too. Like Dean, you were very good when I was relaxing you when you came in. You had a really cheeky response, it was spot on. This lady, my friend Kelly, raise your hands. She's really good at it too. I can throw almost any crazy curveball at her, and she's like, oh, that's just madam, I'm going with it. Um, so, you will see people who use language as well, but the big thing is having a sense of the character and being able to physically inhabit it. So if you're shy, if you're unnerved by having to say things, if you just don't like to talk because you have laryngitis or you're tired or whatever, there's a way to physically inhabit the character 
and use that to make your photos look great, to make a magic experience for some person, like Shira made a magic experience for me. Or earlier today, there was this really amazing <coughs> alien, you know, from the movie, walking around. He's got this huge head. He's brilliant. He's walking around, and he's just like, hey, I'm an alien. And, you know, but he's menacing when he takes photos. He's like, wah, you know, he like really inhabits it. So he's kind of internalized that character for himself. He knows how that character's going to be. If that character were a head on a human body, <laughs> that it would be menacing with its hands, right? Now, I mean, obviously the character in actuality is like a weird alien creature, but he's, he's working it. So how do you do that with improv, and how do you develop your character to help you get through the convention? Now, with steampunk, which is my particular bailiwick, we have a whole bunch of people who like to have really unique, idiosyncratic, personal characters, like my Madness Hugh. Um, and so they come up with a backstory that they flesh out, and some people do it to a greater or lesser extent. Think about a dinner party. Who's been to, like, Hermione, how old are you, darling? Twelve. Twelve. All right, so you, you might be a little bit young for the dinner party metaphor. Mm -hmm. I apologize. But you have been to a family dinner, right? Like a holiday dinner. Um, so you go to a formal sit-down, maybe with people you've met a couple of times or people you only sort of know. What kinds of questions do they ask? What do you do? That's one of the first things. What do you do? So when you're coming up with your character, do your improv, whether it is an individual character that you've created out of whole cloth, or your favorite character from some piece of media, a really good question is, what do you do? Dean, what do you do? I hunt demons. <laughs> there you go. He hunts demons. Now, do you think a demon hunter is going to go to the um, la-di-da tea house in a pink bonnet? Have you watched my show? <laughs> <laughs> I have. I, I kind of know the answer. Do you think that the demon hunter is going to be like, I drink tea with my pinky house? Not unironically, right? It's going to be irony involved. All right, so the demon hunter, you know what you do. That's going to motivate certain things. You're going to fill the space. When you move as a person who has seen violence, who is ready for some sort of martial engagement, who's paying attention, who's confident, who's like, yeah, I'm Dean. That's right, it's me. This is my demon hunting teacup. I don't need my pinky. I'm a dean. Kill demons with this, right? So that's a really good starting point. Understand what you do. Darling, Hermione, tell me a little bit about your character. What do you do? You make stuff. You're a tinker. Now, tell me, do you make stuff from new materials or do you recycle your materials? Recycle, you're a tinker. All right, you recycle things. So you, when you walk into a space, you're not Dean, 
something with it. Ooh, what's this over here? This is exciting. Oh, who are you? I'm a tinker. I'm a cyclist. I like that. I should borrow that. Can I borrow that? Can I make something with that? That would be cool. That'd be fantastic. Different body language. Think about who you do, what you do. doing other <coughs> events, beating tables, <laughs> you know, getting caught on things. This is Madden Skew, this is how I move. I'm Madden. This is me, like, in action. Sometimes, though, sometimes I'm Madden. she moves, from the way I move as madam. Aristocratic. All right, good. Right. Classy. 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 Oh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> That's kind. What else do you know? Social. Social, all right. Keep confident. Confident. Great. Okay. I didn't say I'm classy, social, aristocratic. I just walked into the room. You too need only walk into the space. Once you know what you do, who you do it with, you can walk into the space. You can own it with your physicality. So I think it's really important to root any improvisation into this, your body, because it's your instrument. Just like a piano is what a pianist needs to know really well. What we really need to know is how we move in a space. And we have to mean it. So, by which I mean, I'm gonna pull out my teacup again. A teacup has weight. So does a gun, if you're hunting demons, right? So does your jetpack, or your hat, or any Thing that you might be interacting with as your character. It has weight, it has presence. When you interact with it, remember it has weight. This is not my teacup. I mean it is, but this is like, I'm not having tea. Apparently I'm signaling airplanes. <laughs> I have to have tea. See, my arm acts like this has weight. Like there's something in it. And I don't do this because there's something in my teacup. That'd be a really good way to pour tea into my ensemble. So, Hermione, you're a tinker. You have a very large firearm. It's very big. Did you make it? All right. Hermione, the tinker, made her upcycled from found objects gun. 
that she uses to help her go hunt for items. Dean, the demon hunter, did not upcycle any weapons. He went to see, you know, Bobby, and Bobby had it all. Yeah, I know. Bobby, darn it. Why'd you be an angry ghost? I hope that's not a spoiler for anyone. Um, but when you pull out whatever it is, whether it's your large implement of death and destruction or your demon hunting implement, or um, you have a large, like, this really cool, you know, thing on your arm that's a, what's it called again? A lance. A what? Hand lance. Hand lance, thank you. I'll find the word eventually. Own the movement. Remember that the thing has weight. So when you're posing for people, or you're interacting with them, it has weight. It, you have to sell it. You have to physically commit the movement. So put a little tension into your body when you're interacting with things. I don't mean like, I mean like muscle activity, like you're lifting a thing or carrying a weight. Or if you're pantomiming, you need to make sure to sell the pantomime. All right. I'm going to tea. All I have is a chair. But I need to make you believe I have a tea table and a tea service, and that I'm having tea. I may or may not succeed, but I'm going to try and be successful. Tea. Right? I put a little bit of muscle tension into everything. And so that helps sell the movement. I also remember there's a table there. There's a teacup. I have to put the teacup back down. As long as I'm in the moment with a person that I'm doing a photograph with, or a person I'm entertaining or a person I'm engaging with some sort of improv with, I have to remember what's going on that I've just engaged in. I have to motivate my body to have that muscle interaction. And so when I'm doing photographs then, this is a really great way to sell the photograph. Remember how I was talking about how this is a very standard photograph. You will go through and see many people doing this. All your life doing this. But you're Dean. You don't photograph like that when you're Dean. You've got a leather jacket. You've got this rad car. Baby, she's beautiful. You've killed demons. You've saved the world more times than anyone can count. You have a brother who's surly and problematic. You have a complicated relationship with Crowley. It's some sort of romance. It needs therapy. You've got a lot going on, you're Dean. This is not how you take pictures. This is how you take pictures. And you're like, this is how you take pictures. Or you know this, or you know this. And you're gonna mean it, you're gonna mean it. You're killing demons, you're gonna mean it. Hermione, you're not going to be like, 
Tinker does not stand like this. Where is he then? We're full of energy. We find thee. Oh, 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 look at that. Oh, look at that. Oh, hey, nice to meet you. You're a Tinker, right? Darling, in the red stocking cap. What's your name? I'm Erin. Erin, nice to meet you. I'm Madame Askew. Tell me, Erin, do you cosplay? Yeah. Who's your character? All right, tell me a little bit about Peter Maximoff. He is a mutant that most children have. And he just runs around killing Thank you. All right, I know exactly who you mean. All right, now tell me. I've seen the movies, right? Um, I have not read all the comics. Actually, I have a really big challenge reading comics. Don't need to know that, but it's true. Peter, though, is not a still kind of guy. Also, he's kind of like, got a bit of a smirk. He's funny, he's cheeky, he's a cut-up. Tell me, do you think Aaron would be like this in a photo? Or would he be like, or would he be photobombing? Or would he be like, you know, he's going to be quick and cheeky, right? So this is not Peter's photographic position. This is it, or this, or I am photobombing, they don't know, right? So to liven up your pictures, remember, you don't want the boring picture any more than anyone else does. When you come to a convention, what do you want? Do you want a good experience? Do you want a magic moment to take home with you? That's why I come. I mean, like these moments here in this room with you are magic. I will remember them always, and I will treasure them. I'll be 80 years old, and I will be like, yeah, this one time at a convention, I was in this room with this really cute girl with this indigo hair named Hermione. It was awesome, right? And I harassed this guy named Dean. I don't know his real name, but I remember him as Dean. I remember that moment. So think about this. What you want, everyone else around you wants. And when you put on a costume, you are not committed to being everyone's dancing monkey, I'm not saying that, but you have an opportunity to make magic happen for people. And when you're not in a costume and you're interacting with someone in a costume, you equally have that opportunity to make magic happen for that person who's worked really hard. How is it for you when you've spent hours on your costume and you come to a convention and somebody's like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, you are my favorite. I love you. Can we take a picture together? Oh, please, can we, can we, can we? And you're like, yeah, no, that'd be great. I'd love to take a picture with you. Sounds fun. You, you, you saddle up and you practice. You're like selling it. You're selling your pose. And they're like, all right. Now, I've totally done that many, many a time. But how much more fun is it when they're like, you're like, I'm selling it, and they're like, oh, the demon, right? <laughs> or they're like, oh, I'm dying, oh, the demon saved me. Or they're like, oh, I was the demon, Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's much more fun, right? So whether you're in costume or not, you have the opportunity to make the magic happen. And that's what this is. We call it improv making the magic happen. Usually it is with somebody else. Sometimes improv is a very solo experience, but my personal 
experience in the world is that it's with somebody else. Whether they know it's going to happen or not, they come up to my table, for instance, as I'm tabling here, or that Phoenix Comic Con, and they're like, teapot racing, what is that? And they come to my teapot race, and then they're like, I'm in it, and they're like, how did that happen? <laughs> oh, no, she's talking to me, make her stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that happens a lot, actually. Um, or whatever it is, right? You have that opportunity to interact with a human, right? With a real person. You can make magic for them. You can make their convention extraordinary. You can leave them with such an opportunity, with such a memory, that they go home and they're like, I cannot wait for the next convention. I'm going to make a costume. I'm going to make a comic. I'm going to go see this movie and go out with my friends and have the most extraordinary time and tell them all about this thing I did at this convention with a character out of that movie. You are going to make a magic moment. You're going to touch someone in a very real way beyond what you might experience on your day-to-day -day basis. And you can do that just by being very willing to commit yourself to the movement of what do you do. Now, you can take that up a notch and work on your dialogue, like Dean here, very good. Well played, you. You can be a Madame Askew and be so insanely immersed in your personal character that you've developed that you have entire conversations in character. That takes some thought about, you know, what your background is and what you do in your free time and why you like red. I mean, there's a, there's a fiction, fictional answer and a real answer, right? And so, yeah, good. So those are all things you can do to up your game to the level of your comfort. And the beauty is you never have to leave the level of your comfort, right? If you have a shoulder injury or you're, you know, not very comfortable speaking Turkish and you're at a Turkish convention, you don't have to speak Turkish. You just have to be Captain America, right? Or Dean, I know they watch Supernatural in Turkey too, right? You know, it's everywhere. Or you can be Hermione the Tinker. And it doesn't matter if you use words because you can present it with your physical presence. But you may also find that you have a style of speech that is true for Hermione. Or that you have a style of representing your character, Peter, and the way he might speak. And maybe it's drawn out of the comics or maybe it's drawn out of the movies, or maybe it's completely the creation of your own imagination, which is 100% okay, right? Or you have a hand lapse with a story, and you do all kinds of crazy steampunk stuff, and you've got your character vision, and so you know who you are, what you do, and therefore you know how you will respond to things, and that means physically and verbally, right? You just have to find that but Colonel, what do you do? And that will motivate a lot of answers and solve a lot of questions. There's another thing I'd like to talk to you about before we go into some improv games. I mentioned it a little bit. So 
thought of in passing, paying attention, remembering where you were, what you were doing, what you created around you. When you're doing improv, you have to remember not only what you were doing and where you were, but what the other people were doing around you. Who they are, what do they do, where are they? Cheers, thank you for coming. Goodbye, darling. Bye. And also, you must remember to listen very actively to what's happening with them, what they're saying, what the people around you are saying. All right. Listening is one of your biggest skills in improv. Listening and remembering. You can't just be listening to think about the next thing you're going to say. That is a way to do improv, but it's kind of a selfish way. Because then you're just waiting to showboat, right? But improv is a shared experience. You're creating something magic with another person. That means sharing the time and remembering to permit them to have a part of the magic. If you do not listen, they will never get a chance to be part of the magic. Sometimes someone will have such a great idea that you just need to stand back and let them run with it. Sometimes, if you're new to improv, you need to stand back and let the person with more experience kind of warm you up, right? By doing some crazy things um, and setting the tone. Or maybe you want to just listen to them and mock them physically or react physically or participate some way with body language. I have this wonderful intern who travels with me. His name is Ian. He's 17. He's brilliant. He's been traveling with me to do shows um, since he was 14. And um, he's a really charming young man. And when we first brought him on board to do a show with us, it was under very short notice under really extraordinary circumstances. And we're like, all right, Ian, you've never done improv before. You've never performed with us before. You don't know anything about tea. You've never had tea to drink. So we're giving you a head injury as a character, and you're now mute. <laughs> so you don't have to talk. And he was like, all right. <laughs> I'm 14. I'll do what you say. Weird auntie. And um, so we took him to this show, and we threw him on the stage. And he's supposed to have had this head injury from an exploding tea crate. <laughs> yeah. I was in a wheelchair for that show. It's a long story. <laughs> it's terrible. And it's wonderful, but terrible. So I'm on the stage, and I'm like, I'm supposed to be in my wheelchair, but I'm standing up, and I'm like leaning against the balustrade, pretending that everything is fine, even though I have a hole in my leg. And Ian's got like, you know, there's a dazed look on his face, and we're explaining how he's mute because he, his head was injured due to this exploding tea crate. And he's like nodding along, and then the magic happens. He's not supposed to talk, but we never told him he couldn't act like we were terrible people. <laughs> we never told him he couldn't mock me <laughs> or look at me like I was an idiot. None of that. And so he did, he did, he did all these crazy facial expressions. And then he had this like, little wooden fake moustache hidden in his waistcoat pocket. And I didn't know he was doing it until I saw pictures, right? So I'm, I'm at the front. I'm like trying to 
you know, help my staff feel comfortable. I have to serve tea to 50 people and, you know, make it work and do all this crazy stuff with tea. And I've brought this poor 14-year-old boy to the event and thrown him to the wolves and he's being very gay. So I don't know, but he's got this mustache and he's pulling it out and he's walking around behind me and this is what he's doing. <laughs> the audience is dying. They're dying. They're laughing so hard. He hasn't said a word. I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but I can hear his feet behind me. I know he's walking around back there. And I know he's making tea. I don't know. I can't see him. I can't spend a show like this. That's really terrible for the audience. So I'm like, hey, all right. So I do this. It's like, he does this. I'm like, all right, I guess he's just making tea then, right? <laughs> so we spend the whole hour with him mocking me behind my back with this moustache. The audience is dying, and I'm just like, it's tea, la di da, it's tea, would you like some tea? And they're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'd love some tea from you. <laughs> so you don't have to say anything to make it funny or engaging or entertaining, or, or there are other emotions you can, of course, Present. You could be like rage, demon, hunter, angry, bitter, rebel, fiend, who, you know, stares at his brother and he's like, I got you. I understand. You're wrong, Sam. <laughs> so, so there's a lot you can represent. I can never be very angry, honestly. I'm too whatever. But you have to listen. You have to pay attention. I could have ruined that moment for Ian, right? If I hadn't been paying attention, I could have turned around and been like, what are you doing? Stop it. No one wants you. Terrible, wouldn't it? I would have crushed him. I would have ruined the moment. But I paid attention. Whatever was happening was magic. I just needed to let him do it quietly behind my back. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're in the improv moment with someone, remember, you don't necessarily have to talk. Let's say you're Skeletor. So do you need to like have a monologue? You could, or you could just be like a menacing, like a skeletor. I will kill you, man. Right, you know? So you don't have to say anything. You just be like angry in your pictures. Um, look like you're going to stab people with your big sword and your angry skeleton face. Um, you could at any time engage with people verbally and they're going to be very excited. I loved when Dean and I had our little moment. I, I loved him. I'm like, how are you, Dean? It's so awesome. It's three words. I loved it. It's so good. You know? So I think if you have those skills, if you commit physically to your moment, if you remember your space and what your setting, if you think about what do I do, and if you remember to listen, you're going to be able to practice improv, get your, you know, self into that position of making some magic happen. But before we go into a couple of improv games, I want to know if you have any questions. God, you're so quiet. You know I'm going to torture you. Yes? I gotta run, but uh, a quick story I just wanted to share with everybody, because it falls on the line, so what you're talking about commitment to character. Yes. And the presence of character. Uh, I want to show you all a little uh, 
I work at uh, my day job. I work at uh, Walt Disney World. I'll tell you real quick the story of Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy was a 12-year-old autistic boy that came to see Bell's Story Time. Bell's Story Time was an interactive thing where we Bell would do a story, and it was an improv game as well too. We would ask kids to be like, "Okay, and where do you think they had for dinner?" And she would take a suggestion. It's like, "Oh, they they." They had Twinkies, yes, uh, yeah, so like, like Belle and the Beast, we sat down and we ate Twinkies. It was an interactive thing like that. There was a little boy named Jeremy, slightly older, about 12-ish, was kind of like hanging on the wings, and she was like, oh, would you like to come and join us? And his parents were like, oh, no, no, he doesn't like to take part in it. It was like, oh, well, would you like to just come and sit and stand with us? And he was like, okay, so he was brought on. And the story, oh, yes, he, he doesn't like to talk. Oh, that's fine, he doesn't need to talk. So we did the story on later on. And they said, and Belle's father was a tinker. He built things. What do you think he built? It's like, Jeremy, and without thinking, like, Jeremy, what do you think he built? Spaceships. And his parents froze. To do the story later on, and later on, and then at the end, her parents broke down, went up to the attendants, and they were like, what's going on? What's going on? It's like, he doesn't talk. And then like, oh, he's just like, no, he has never talked, ever. Those were his first words he had ever said in his entire life. And after that, he began to speak verbally, began to communicate, speak, brought on by the power of being in the presence of this character and everything else, of being in that immersive moment. So, and so that's exactly what the theory she's talking on, about the improv theory of being a character. And maybe you've had a bad experience that going up to a celebrity and they're not what you wanted to be, that same power can be in cosplay. If somebody comes up to you, you could be dressed as their favorite and they could be gushing for you. And I would say like, they're giving you the gift of their energy. Try to reciprocate it back. Because you could be someone's favorite, you could make someone's day. At a convention we see a bunch of crazy stuff, but you could be that special moment, that interpretation of character, and don't be afraid to gauge them to them. I have dealt with so many snooty cosplayers in my case. Oh, wow, dude, you're great, you're so awesome. Yeah, thanks. So do you want a picture or what? You know, uh, no, just saying you're like, great. Yeah, whatever, you know, it's like, who wants to deal with that dick like that? So anyway, <laughs> point of the matter is, is that, like, trust me, what she's talking about is absolutely valid theory, and I just wanted to share that story because that is, that is the power of just being a costume and committing to the character. Miracles can happen. Oh, thank you. You made me tear up. Oh. <laughs> and I got to go downstairs and cover up some other event. But anyway, oh, thank you. A uh, round of applause. Lovely, and that is what I'm talking about. That was beautiful. I mean, I've never had that kind of powerful experience when I help someone in that way. But think about it—you could do that thing. You never know. Like, right? Have a bad day. This is a not as powerful. That was a very powerful story. I have to come back from that. My heart's all like. Um, but you have a really bad day, and you come into the convention, and you're like, oh, I can't cosplay. My costume is terrible. <sighs> I guess I'm here, I bought the ticket. And then you see your favorite character. Oh, it's so good. You're like, maybe I could get a picture with them. And you go up to them, and they're like, hey, you're awesome. I love what you're doing. You're like, wow. Feel a little better. That's good, right? He's right. You have the power to turn that on for somebody, which is pretty fantastic. And why? Again, I don't think you have to be anyone's monkey, right? You don't have to dance for people just because. It's 
you know, you're, you're cosplaying. You must go to the bathroom. You've had five bottles of water. You'll die. Someone comes up to you and they're like, can I take your picture, please, please, please? And you're like, oh, please. All right, you have a choice here. I've seen this choice play out. You could say, hey, I'd really love to take a picture with you. Could you give me like three minutes? I really must go to the ladies. I promise I'll be right back. That's option one. Option two is like, no, gotta go. What's easier for you? What makes you feel better? All right, I really have to go to the bathroom. I don't want to have a conversation. But 10 extra seconds can mean the world of difference. On the other hand, you're the person, you come up to your favorite, and you're like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh Shira, I love you, you're so awesome, I haven't seen you since I was 10, you're the best. She's like, I'm trying to eat my salad. <laughs> I try and be like, oh, please, eat your salad, yeah, I'd love to get a picture of you later. When you're not eating your salad. That comes back to the listening, sort of a pay attention thing, situational awareness. Both parties get to participate in that, right? I'll add an addendum to what Paddy said. Um, I studied opera when I was younger. I wanted to be a professional opera singer on the stage. I worked at the opera as an intern when I was much younger than I am now. It's amazing. I had most exquisite time. There were most talented people there. They were extraordinary. They spend hours every day practicing their art. They're working really hard. You have a choice, right? There's a stereotype of the opera diva, who's very difficult to work with. Let me tell you, outside of Pavarotti, who's now deceased, there is no one on this planet that any opera community, any producer, any staff will put up with being a diva. They don't have time. They're there to make art. There's never any reason to be a diva, no matter how good you are. Pavarotti got to pass because we were all afraid of him. <laughs> He's very, you know, very talented and also very difficult. He's the last of the real divas. If you meet someone who's being a diva, who's being difficult, who's being unpleasant, all right, that's their life choice. Good on them. They are not the only person in this world at the convention. You don't have to make art with them. They get to make art by themselves, right? You can find that person who's also doing that cosplay, who's right, friendly and awesome and wants to make art with you, right? So if somebody's being difficult, move on. Maybe they've been terrible to you. Maybe they've hurt your feelings. Maybe they were really unpleasant. Really, if I'm at a convention and someone hurts your feelings and is unpleasant, just come find me. I will always try and help improve your day. <laughs> Even if I am eating a salad, which you probably won't find me doing, they're too messy in a corset. <laughs> Don't want tomatoes in my corset. Um, find someone you know. Come and do something fun. Rinse out your metaphorical palate. Making art should be a communal activity. Improv is a shared experience. You don't need to play with the divas. There are plenty of us here who want to have fun and make magic.
And, ha we have time. We're going to make a little magic right now. So, all right, I need four volunteers. All right, come on. You, all right. Yeah, come on. All right, Lou, all right. Come on. Thank you. Yeah, very gay. All right, a round of applause for our four volunteers. All right, I'm not going to get off the stage because I have a bum knee. Normally I'd come down and like be with you because I, I actually like to be on the same level. Now, we're going to do something I call, well, something that's called two by two. You're going to stand in a square, in a human square, right? I need two of you at the front next to each other. Um, so let's put you in this aisle area because it's a little wider. So, Erin, and what's your name, darling? Paige, Erin and Paige. Move up there, you're gonna be the front row. Move up a little more. There we go, and give yourself some space. All right, now, what's your name, darling? Zoe. Zoe, please take a spot behind Paige. Lou, please take a spot behind Erin. Zoe and Lou, turn and face me. All right. Now, Erin, you're one. Paige, you're two. Zoe, you're three. Lou, you're number four. All right? This is your square. I'm going to give you a few moments, the front row, to do your improv. And then I'm going to call turn. And you're going to turn one person. So then it will be Erin and Lou at the front. And Paige and Zoe at the back and we're going to go through a full rotation. Does that make sense? So, if you're in the back, what do you think you need to do? Listen. Listen, excellent. If you're in the front, what do you need to do? Talk and engage, right. Right, and listen to each other, but in the back, you're really listening to what they're doing up front. Because what happens when you turn, you pick up where the last person was, and you continue the improv. Now, when you're new to the improv, you can take it in a new direction. Maybe they're at an ice cream parlor having ice cream, and you decide there's a zombie apocalypse happening in that ice cream parlor. That's all right. You can do that. Maybe you decide that the ice cream is actually Soylent Green. That's people. All right. I know some people got that one. All right, good. Um, that's a movie you may not have seen yet, Hermione, but it's good for later. It's good in a terrible, horrible way. It's a terrible movie that's good. All right. Um, so, I'm going to give you, in front, Erin, Paige, I'm going to give you a little scene. Right? You're going to start it, and then the rest of you are going to continue. Do you have any questions? All right. I have faith in you. You've got the best hair. I love it. All right. Erin, I'm a steampunk, so I apologize. This is totes going to be a steampunk scene. All right? So, Erin, you're the captain of a fleet of airships, and you're on a mission. You get to decide what mission. For queen and country, for some country. And you, my darling, are the ship's cat, clearly. But you talk. <laughs> You're like the ship's cat who's also the first mate. It just works. It's steampunk. It literally all works in this genre. All right, are you ready? Okay, give you five seconds. They're going to be quick. 
want to go up front or you want to wait for it? All right, Dean's into them. All right, Gen yes, what is your name, darling? Josh. Josh, all right, Josh. Hermione, what's your name, darling? Raven. Raven. Ooh, nice name, all right. Oh, the loser. What? <laughs> 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 Team Rocket, you're a troublemaker. I'm watching you. That's what you are saying for, Josh. another dimension. <laughs> Dean, Josh is apparently the offspring of your father from yet another liaison. We don't know what he was doing, but the Winchesters are apparently prolific. All right, are you ready? And go. So, we're here at the hideout, and I'm not too sure. Well, I'm not sure if that's a Pokemon. Okay, first off, who the heck are you? <laughs> Don't worry about it, you'll find out later. <laughs> you see that? That's not normal. You know, I'm supposed to catch them all, but like, I don't want that. <laughs> what do you want me to do with it? Put it on a leash? What are you supposed to do now? 
get a Pokeball and throw it at it. And thank you everyone for participating today. Now I've talked to the next panelist and she doesn't care if we run over a moment or two. <laughs> so we have like technically six minutes before that panel. If you have a last minute question, I'd be happy to answer it. Yes? Where can folks find you on the internet? <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> you can find me at my website, www.madamaskew.com, that's A-S-K-E-W, and I should add that it's madam with an E at the end, because that seems nice at the time. And uh, you can also find me on Facebook if you look up Madame Askew. I'm, I'm really very active on Facebook. I have a Twitter as well under Madame Askew and an Instagram. I post a lot of cat pictures. Warned. Um, so thank you. Any other questions? Yes. How do you deal with costume fails? <laughs> like wigs fall off or corsets break? Yeah. How do you deal with that? Uh, it's happened. It's all happened. So I try and work it into the experience of the improv. All right. Depending on how terrible the costume failure is. Sometimes I just collapse on the ground like I'm dying. <laughs> um, my, my physician told me I had to stop doing pratfalls for a while because I broke too many things. That's true. And so I have to fall with a lot of operatic grace now. And I take my time about it and I'm like, oh, my corset broke. <coughs> I'm going to die very slowly now in a heap. And then I'll crawl away. <laughs> um, sometimes I'll be just like, oh, it was a tea explosion, whoops. <laughs> so I find a way to distract a little bit and also to give myself an out if I need to fix it or to make it part of the humor if I have, you know, if it's not that major. Um, for instance, <clears throat> my hat will frequently get more askew. Sometimes it will fall off entirely. My goggles are like, um, 
Earlier they were really attached to my hair. I have no idea what that's doing. But these sometimes would be like down here and like, oh yeah, that was the whole conflict with the lemon pirates. It's crazy. Um, there was this time at Phoenix Comic Con when <laughs> I had a terrible failure and I had to run back to my room literally because I was on my way to do a panel. And I needed to have this fixed before I did the panel. And uh, you know, it was like 115 or whatever horrific temperature it was because it was in the summer in Phoenix, dressed like this. And uh, I'd left plenty of time to get there because I had neurotic. I like to be on time. But now I had to run back, literally. And I'm gimpy and I'm old. So running looks more like this. <laughs> really fast shuffle. But I get back to the panel and I'm winded, out of breath, because I've run there and back. And I'm red in the face, and I'm dripping every last bit of molecule of fluid out of my body. And I come into the room, and everyone turns and stares at me. And I cannot hide that I'm late, that I'm red in the face, that I ran off. Now, I could tell them that I had a costume failure. I could, I could you know, give that out. But where's the fun in that? No fun. Everybody be like, that's nice, Janet. All right? Yeah, you know, I like Janet. Actually, I love Janet. She's amazing. But hey, Hermione did not even give that reference. That's all right, darling. It's from like five million years ago. Um, so I need to make it something that everybody in the room is going to get and get on board with. So what did I do in that case? I came in. It was the lemon-wielding dwarves. They were attacking me. Everybody's like, lemon-wielding dwarves? And even I was like, I don't know where that came from. Run <laughs> with it now. Yes. <laughs> we ran with it the entire weekend, actually. Little Mordor, they're very angry dwarves. Sauron lied to them. He told them the lemons were gold. But they were lemons, and they're bitter and poisonous, and they want to put them in my tea, and I won't let them. They're very cranky. That's how I handle it. <laughs> any, any other last question? All right, thank you all. You've been tremendous. I loved your improv. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows, such as D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition and Scion Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. Thank you for listening.